0: It's time for
1: Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory
2: every year there's all kinds of surveys that come out that address this question of how much does the average american need in order to retire how much money do they need to have saved up we would argue though that there's more to a confident retirement than just knowing how much to have saved so today we're going to review the latest data and talk about how to get
0: this answered for yourself that's right today's episode that's right hitting questions from fans of the show as well if If you have a question, we can help. Reach out. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. wisemoneyshow.com. You can submit questions that way. Learn more about the show as well. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. You ever wondered how much you need to retire Uh, every day of my working career? (laughs) (laughs) Most people come in wondering that question there used to be a commercial i think it was with a company ing they've then been bought out by voya who's probably been swallowed up by someone else It is someone else i I have no idea um silicon valley bank (laughs) i hope not um where it was the commercial was people just walking around carrying around their number and that was supposed to signify well once you know what your number is, now it's just a race. Just go go get there and and you're good. And and I well this was, you know, cunning because oh, if you can simplify it to just a number, then you've sort of you're able to really focus in and you can um and push everything out. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. Yet every single year there's gabs of these surveys that come out that ask that very thing that Josh said, you know, how much does the average American think they need or or do they need? And a recent survey came out. Actually, saw it pushed around quite a bit, and uh, and it and it asked how much, and they broke it down by by decade, by age. How much do you think you need to save up in order to retire comfortably? So, guys, what's the data say? Well, let's get into it.
2: Well, I mean, this is this is actually a, a chart that would be worth, or an article worth checking out. So, I would uh, visit the link if you're checking us out on on YouTube but um, it's based on age, right? Basically, they presented different decades of of age, you know, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. But it's a moving target, and people's perceptions are are different. But what was interesting to me, every single age band now, um, it's over a million bucks, um, up until those who are right on the er eve of retirement. And They actually wouldn't say that they need to be a millionaire. I I get this question a lot just from people, you know, backyard barbecue type stuff. So how much does someone need in order to retire? And of course, you you know, this whole episode is going to be about why you can't just boil it down to one number and that it's a universal um, estimate for everybody. But most people my age, especially, I, I tell them, well, listen, if you're not a millionaire by the time you get ready to walk away from a paycheck, you might not be ready. Yeah. And that's just to kind of get some scale in mind for them. But most people in these surveys are actually agreeing with that because if you're in your twenties, the average American says, I need about one point two million in order to retire. But if you're in your thirties, apparently you've expanded some lifestyle, you're used to spending a little bit more money, maybe you're earning more money than it you when when you were in your twenties. You're now up to one point four million is what you believe that you need for retirement. Skip ahead to your 50s, you're at 1.6 million is what you think you need.
0: See, I, I thought that was very telling. Because in your 50s, and we talk about this all the time, we've done lots of um, shows on, well, what should your biggest financial priority be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s? We've done lots of content on that. We'll continue to do so to help you refine your focus and all of that. But in your 50s, you've built that five-factor retirement plan. You've, you've started to really narrow in on this is what it's going to take. And assuming that those folks surveyed are the ones that have done the math, they're saying you need 1.6. I don't think the people in their 20s have done the math because everything's going to change. I, that stands out to me a lot. When you're in your 50s, presumably you have a, uh, a, a more, um, I don't know, informed answer. They're saying 1.6. When you're in your 20s, you have no concept of what of what you need and that's 1.2 so it's averaging and the article says well you need 1.3 million i i i mean i completely disagree with the concept that just focus on a number but that stands out to me okay but what about this though step 1
2: decade further into the study and now you're talking to people in their 60s and if the 50s said 1.6 million 60s are saying less than a million. So, to take that same argument, that, that same observation hey, these are people who should be very informed. You know, they, they're on the eve of retirement, many of them. Um, and they, they hopefully are doing the calculation to say, am I ready or am I not? And if they as a group are guesstimating about a million bucks, why do you think that is? I, I wonder if in your 50s, it is maybe the most expensive decade for you you know you're launching kids from the nest you might have weddings in college and you're in your peak earning years most likely so you're used to spending a little bit more and maybe your your perception of what it takes to retire is just maybe inflated maybe it's accurate i don't know but it's interesting that it steps down one decade later maybe maybe it's a generational thing
0: nah, you know I, I, i'm saying the people that were surveyed in their 60s they're already retired they're already there, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm just going to make it work on what I got." That that's that was that's how I read those numbers personally.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's really your choice, mm-hmm. right? Un- unless you unretire, which we saw a lot of that. Yeah. We saw a lot of retirement in in the COVID air uh, time frame, and then a lot of people saying, "You know what? Actually, I'm I'm going back to work." But you're right. You get to a certain point where you say, "Okay, this is what I've got." I'm going to make it work. I do think in your 60s, the reason why you you might think it's considerably less than your 50s, all of this, to me, it's all about your mindset. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember doing a financial plan for some clients back in 1994. And um, yeah, you guys weren't born yet. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I do this financial plan and we say, okay, what are you going to need to live on in retirement? And we said, okay, about thirty thousand dollars a year inflation adjusted. Well, in their in their fifties now, you know, they make multiples of that a month. Yeah. So it's so you your ability to imagine, um, and I remember when I did my financial plan, I'm like, Well, yeah, I I wanna retire at fifty. I I thought that was what you would want to do. I didn't I didn't know what a good goal would be. Do I really want to retire at 50? What I would need to retire at 50, I calculated that, and I'm like, there's no way I'll be able to save that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then as life changes, you say, hey, I can save enough to retire at 50. Do I still want to retire at 50? No, I love what I do, and I want to keep doing it. So all of these things change. I think the reason why in your 50s is you're looking at – you might still have a mortgage left to pay off, some other big financial rocks to move, and, you, and you're thinking it's just going to cost you more than it does. And it, if, you're, if you get focused, the decade of your 50s should be the most powerful financial decade of your life, statistically. Mm-hmm. And then you, you set them up and knock them down. And by the time you're in your 60s, you're like, yeah, I, I actually am not going to need that much money. Yeah, I, and I've observed that over the years as well. That what people actually need,
2: it kind of dials down in their sixties because they, they check those things off their their list, that sort of thing, as you said, Kevin. But um, maybe they become more content too. Who who knows? Mm. I, I want to point one more thing out about this this chart that's in this study and this article and everything. We've been talking about what do Americans expect that they need in order to retire, um, you know, comfortably. The other part of this chart shows a comparison to what the average American actually has already. Yeah. And the gap is mind-boggling. Yep. And I, I realize that if the average uh, 30-year-old thinks they need $1.4 but the average 30-year-old actually has 67000 so far, you might just kind of throw your hands up and say, see, I'll never be able to retire. That's just too far of a, a gap to be able to cover. Um, I'm not going to be able to make it. The point here is it is absolutely achievable we see these stories all the time and it all begins with a plan i know we're going to be getting into that in the next segment but don't get overwhelmed by how far how much ground there is to cover just get going in the next
0: step and that is a planning step for you that's right is focusing on a number helpful is it practical is it realistic? And if it's not, what are the other pieces that you need to build around it? How can you build that confident plan? We're going to help with that and more coming up on the wise money show with Corhorn financial group. This is wise money with Corhorn financial group. How much do you need to have saved up in order to retire? Is there, is there a magic number? Is there number one, is there a magic calculation to get there? And then is there even such thing? If you focus on a number and you achieve it, are you, are you good? We're going to help you with that planning process. This is The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media. Wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search The Wise Money Show. All right. So we're linking the article in the show notes. So go to YouTube, go, go check it out. It talks about On average, Americans feel they need 1.3 million bucks in order to retire comfortably. And on average, they have less than 100,000 saved up. So there's a gap. I've never seen someone, well, okay, I'll give you a couple nevers. I've never seen someone come in with a perfect financial situation. I've never seen someone come in with no financial regrets. And I've, I've never seen someone come in despite those mistakes, despite those regrets, with a financial situation that couldn't be solved. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. I, I, and yeah.
1: I would say I've never seen someone that wasn't three good financial decisions away from completely writing the ship.
0: Yeah you, yeah. you you need a financial expert, someone who sees the lay of the land and, and spends all day every day, just consumed and enamored with this stuff, has a sense of wonder, is just curious and loves figuring this stuff out. Who wants to help you? Who mm-hmm. wants to you? If you combine those two things, oh my goodness, you can get a uh, uh, far away. So if whatever condition you're listening to this show in, there's hope and you can get there. Even if you say, no, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, get some clarity and do even better. Or if you're listening saying, nah, I got that pile of regrets, I got more regrets than I do assets, get some hope, get, figure it out. We, we can help and, and a CFP can help you. So here's the thing. Focusing on just a number is inadequate. And we've mm-hmm. got tons of life stories and then we'll break down sort of the reasons why. But early in my career, Kevin, you, you remember this as well. He's an engineer, extremely smart. His brain could run circles around mine. And had come in basically saying, done, had done all the numbers, all the crunching, said, once I get a million bucks, I'm ready to retire. And he had crunched the numbers. And this was you know, a few decades ago um, that it was a magic number. And um, yes, because he's an engineer, he had done, made some assumptions about these other things. Mm-hmm. But he reached that million dollars at the magical age of... 54. Well, 50, imagine, and this is the best analogy I can give because I'm a geek, but um, imagine if you priced out a vacation and a vacation, a uh, vacation's is going to cost you five grand. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to save up for this vacation. And then you save up that five grand way sooner than you expect. And so great, my week, my vacation is going to be two weeks longer. Well, now it's not five grand, right? Because now you you saved up that that amount and and uh, and it was really designed for a certain time period. Now that t- that money can't stretch for a longer time period, mm-hmm. right? So he reached that million bucks at age fifty four when really our planning work, as we started doing the math, eh, that million bucks would have worked if you were retiring around sixty or sixty two in this guy's situation, not mm-hmm. at fifty four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the point here is a million dollars at 60 is not the same as a million dollars at 50 because of the work you're asking it to do, right? At age 60, it has maybe three, three and a half decades worth of supporting for you. If you were to retire in your 50s, you're asking it to do
1: a third more. No, I'm saying a million dollars at 2020 is different than a million dollars at 2023. Mm. Yeah. Because, be, be, well, Josh, come on. Keep going. You no, know, you you know, come on, you got to admit it. Mm-hmm. So, it, because the, the value of my, you, the value of my dollars is less. Because everyone says, everything costs more. No, the value of your dollars is less. The purchasing power that you had at in 2020 with a million bucks, it's just less if you look at inflation and other factors. But I'm, I'm, before I give you a chance to respond, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still fixated on Mike's question that he ended the last segment with, which is, is focusing on a number productive? Because you're talking about, hey, do I focus on this million dollar number? And I would tell you, if I focus on a number, I'm focusing on an effect. Do not focus on the effect. Focus on the cause. What what attitudes and behaviors what beliefs would get me to this this magic million dollars whether it's a magic million dollars or two million or whatever the number is that's what i want to be focused on because when i look at the the disconnect in this article and the article is in the is in the show notes because Lindsay is awesome Mm -hmm. and she's put it there so go ahead uh go to the youtube channel uh like, subscribe, there and go. and leave a comment. Unless your comment is, uh, uh, Mister Bernard, showed me how to make twenty nine percent per month on my investments. <laughs> lots we- of spammers <laughs> out there. Yeah, <laughs> lots of spammers. So, but I would I would look at this because there is a huge disconnect, and I would say, okay, well, get it, get it out of of the uh, of everyone else's situation, because the only situation you have is your own, and do you have a plan? That will get you on a path to get close. Because this is what I know. Once people get on a plan and they start getting closer, their financial goals change. And I've seen people that have accumulated meaningful amounts of money and said, you know what? I, we used to need all this money to live on and we used to think we wanted this lifestyle. We don't want that anymore. We used to have this huge house. We want a tiny house. Mm-hmm. You know, we we used to have all of this. We don't want this. We want that now. So so really what a great plan does is it gets you in a position. I think of it financially is you know I think of the janitor with his with his key ring. He had all the keys. He could unlock all the doors in the school. And so what you do by having a plan and continuously doing the right things over and over and over again, you're adding keys to your financial key ring, and you get to a point where you can unlock almost any door that you want.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. Um, you
2: know, to, to piggyback on the uh, elementary school uh, metaphor there, I, I'm remembering back to, you, you know, did, did your math books ever have the answers in the back of the book, like for certain? I, I think these days math books they'll have like the odd numbers the answers are in the back so that you can test yourself did you know that
1: they yes a lot of these textbooks have that well and i and i also found out that your uh piano lesson book had the answers in the back of the book and i I'm only admitting that now because my mother is no longer around to uh, yeah you, it <laughs> to, looks to, like to give she would have given me a spanking because you needed to get that off your chest so I, I, I did that, I that weight is lifted oh, I <laughs> cheated so badly I mean I couldn't look at the back of the book and write the answer in the front of the book as as fast oh dear oh, that's funny the
2: um t- to me having the answer in the back of the book is only helpful if you have it matched to the right story problem in the front of the book though because knowing a million dollars is the answer, it's the answer for a, a certain question, but is it your question? And, and the whole point of financial planning is not just helping you answer the question, it's even defining the question. Do you know? And that's what you were describing, and right. that's what I was hearing was, mm-hmm. hey, m- my target or my story problem that I'm trying to solve, it changes over time. Yeah, It's a moving target, and therefore the answer in the back of
1: the book is also going to need to change. But the answer in the back of the book didn't help you because I went through that whole math program too. And if you didn't know how to get the answer, when the teacher says, show your work on the mm. test, <laughs> if you didn't know what work was required, you, you've... you've
0: got a d in calculus you know what kuiper does so kuiper was (laughs) in first or second grade during the COVID year and so all these kids have just terrible penmanship just terrible so his show your work is so messy no one can logically (laughs) get there and it's like well if the answer is legible and you wrote some other stuff you get the credit benefit of the doubt smart kid (laughs) smart kid but kevin that is the right question and and if i'm listening to this discussion i'm thinking well, this is uh helpful not really because you haven't told me then what i should focus on so i want to take the discussion into two different places what are those things in life josh that you just mentioned what are those things that change your number where you think now i'm on track and then all of a sudden something changes and it it means you're no longer on track or you've got to go back to the drawing board and then what is that drawing board how can you figure it out and then does that lead you to a number that then you can focus on So we're going to help you with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How can you figure out how much... You need to have saved up in order to retire. What's what's that? What's what's that calculation? What's that process like? We're helping with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Cohorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFC Studios, Kevin Cohorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, it's on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Search the uh go to YouTube, search the wise money show, subscribe to it there, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content, either talk shows or next wise step videos or other content there. And, uh, and you leave questions there as well, you can, you can do that. We, that's probably where we get the most questions, which we're hoping to hit later on in the program. Talking about, is, is there a way for you to calculate how much you need to have saved up for retirement and then just focus on that number? Well, that falls down because the variables, the inputs that help you determine, well, what is the right number for you anyway? Those variables can change. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hit that first and then we'll get into, okay, what the process is to calculating whether you're on track for retirement, how much you need to have saved up.
2: Yeah, I mean, you kind of just mentioned that uh, one of the ways that you determine a target number, a target nest egg to have accumulated for retirement is you make certain assumptions about that retirement. You know, and, and these are the five factors that we go go through. What age are you going to retire at? How much are you going to spend? Um, what are your sources of income going to be in retirement? How much can you save between here and there? And then how are you going to invest? What kind of risk and, and ride are you on? You start tweaking or changing any of those assumptions, and the right answer changes along with
0: it. Well, right? if I were to make it more tangible, something we're all dealing with right now, if you thought, well... I could retire. I could spend four grand a month in retirement. That works. No problem. Mm-hmm. If you thought that five years ago, well, if your plan was then suggesting or had that baked in, you spend four grand a month. Well, it's likely very different right now. That's right. Everything costs more. Four grand doesn't go as far. Correct. And so, uh, and yes. Chicken wings have come down in price uh, uh, quite a bit, actually, but uh, but but still, <laughs> you might then if, if if you needed four grand a month to live in the old world, and now you need five, that's going to influence how much you need to have saved up. Mm-hmm. So spending, and you might even say, well, that sounds like I'm in control of that, but the inflation, I'm not in control of. I know, and that's what makes this specific variable challenging. I was talking with a client last week where i actually admitted to them i was nervous the retirement plan that we're painting here shows that it's it works and you're on track but you know when we were just catching up earlier and i asked you how you're doing with cash flow and whatever that gave me a little bit more peace of mind that you've been able to fight back some of the inflationary pressures mm-hmm. and that that this retirement picture is still an accurate one to plan off of
2: Well, it's not just inflationary pressures, but it's also the the risk of lifestyle creep over time. Mm -hmm. You know, your own appetites, your own desires, the things that you are interested in and want to spend money on. Sometimes that can be an expanding list of things. For others, it's pretty steady, you know. And if, if you planned off of one certain lifestyle, but it has increased over time just by your own choices, not just inflation that can throw off the the number as well. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm thinking of a retired couple who, uh, they marched into retirement with everything in place to be able to have a fantastic retirement. Great nest egg built up, great pensions, um, just everything. It was like a slam dunk. But then something changed in the family and they felt n- not just the need, not not even an obligation, but the the desire and... Um, I, I don't know, a calling almost to be able to support some family members in a way that we had never planned on before. Mm. And essentially, when you're giving dollars or supporting someone financially, it, it's the same thing as spending more money, Yeah, right? It has the same net effect. And if all of a sudden the lifestyle number, which includes not only taking those cool vacations and having fun and all that, but then also supporting family, when that number grows too high it can actually get to a tipping point where now you're starting to burn through the nest egg faster than you ever thought and and all of a sudden that sure thing of retirement is no longer such a sure thing
0: the example i gave earlier of individual that said they needed a million bucks they were able to retire it actually the downfall wasn't they calculated the wrong number the assumption was that they were going to spend a certain amount. And in the first three years of retirement, they proceeded to spend 50% more than that. Mm. And when they spent more than that, that also meant there were more taxes as well. And it was really a mm-hmm. compounding issue. Yeah. Here's here's another one. And uh, tell me if you've heard this one. Planning on retiring at 65. Because at 65, I can move right on to Medicare. And my Social Security, I'm close to full retirement age. So it's a, it's a decent amount. And then... Either career, something happens at work, something happens with health or whatever. And, you know, I, I need to be done at 62. Yeah. I, can, yeah, I can draw Social Security at 62. I'm just going to do that. Yeah. The 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 ways in which that changes your plan are mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Just it's significant.
1: Yeah. And when I hear you say that, Mike, I think what really what is it that gets me uh, moved off of 65? It's the buyout offer. And I, there are a number of clients at, at extremely large corporations that we work with where they say, hey, about every three years, there's a buyout offer that comes along and they will either add points to my pension or they'll pay me a, a, a X amount for every uh, year of service that I have. And so that be, that becomes really interesting And this is where I would say, well, make sure you've got your financial plan dialed in so that when that comes and you get a month to make that decision, you've you can make the decision. Yeah, Um, because you might say, hey, if I could be done today, I'm willing to. And and again, our job is just to coach folks on the trade offs. But you might say, hey, I'm willing to live on a little bit less if I knew that I was going to work three years less than I'd planned or you know fill in the blank Mm -hmm. but this this is this is where you want to have great financial this is where you want your wealth vision uh, continuously connected and up to date so you can go in and we can quickly run the analysis to see
0: does this work or not is another one that this one's not very fun but it is I'm moving along and I'm saving up and I'm taking a certain level of risk and then all of a sudden the market changes and I no longer have confidence, have the confidence necessary and needed to invest for the long term. And I shift and pivot my investments to be mostly fixed income or out of the markets and never to return. Most people don't have the, um I don't know, the perspective that, oh, gosh, that that's going to have significant consequences on when I'm able to retire Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. what my lifestyle will be in retirement, those sorts of things. So that's Mm -hmm. often a change as well. That usually isn't it's not as clear to the individual when they're making because typically that's an emotional decision and you're not thinking of it, you know, um, objectively. Yeah. There's trade-offs to that, mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. I, both of you have mentioned this, this phrase, trade-off, and recognizing that when you set out a retirement plan, uh, a, a game plan or a roadmap to get you to your goal, you are making certain assumptions about the future that may or may not be perfectly accurate. And we've been describing some of the events or the external circumstances that can you know, change or, or force you to make a trade-off make an adjustment somewhere else. If your goal for retirement was 65 and now it's 63. Okay. Uh, it it doesn't mean that the game plan is now completely blown up. It just means there's some tweaks and some adjustments. There are levers you can pull. It might mean that, yeah, your lifestyle needs to be adjusted down a little bit. Maybe you need to work part-time a little bit into retirement in order to make that, uh, transition a little bit more, more smooth. Maybe, um, it's more comfortable to be really conservative with your investments but we need to coax you to still be a little bit more moderate with your investments so that they have a a, an opportunity to help lift uh, a little bit more of of the weight for you the point here though is that the certified financial planner that you're working with should be a great coach for you on the trade-offs helping you decide if this occurs or if you choose that instead Where are you going to need to make adjustments elsewhere
0: in the plan so that this thing still works for you? Your CFP is going to help you look at all of those factors and craft a plan for you, a path, a guide, a a a confident retirement approach based on those variables. That's going to lead you to yeah, you should have about this much saved up, or, or and make sure you're saving this amount. But if any of those factors change, and they will because it's real life, then that will update those numbers as well. So that's the approach. That's the approach that gives you clarity and looks at all factors, not just how much you need to have saved up. All right, more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard with me in the KFG Kfg studios. My business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there, subscribe to it there. And when you're there, rate the program as well. We appreciate that. The first three seconds of the show, we've been talking about how you can figure out if you're on track for retirement. It's more than just a number. It's a, it's a number and it's more than just a number. And And so getting to that number is important, but you've gotta know the other factors as well. And when any of those factors change, either because your decisions changed or life changed or whatever, whether you wanted it to change or not, you've got to be updating that retirement plan to make sure you're on track. And you've got to see how that influences your target and what you should be what you should be doing and, and and how you get there. So working with the CFP, that's doing comprehensive financial planning, they're going to do that analysis for you. And then once a year, at least they're going to be tuning back into that and essentially asking you have have any of these inputs changed. And then they'll tell you if they see any of those inputs changing on their end. And then you'll take a look and say, are we still on track or do we need to make adjustments? So that's the process you need for that clarity and confidence in retirement. Let's transition over to questions from fans of the show. First question comes from Mike, great name. Uh, (laughs) If I, I still think Mike is one of the most popular names out there in the midst of this crazy unique name scenario that we've got going on. I think Mike is still, it's enduring. Yeah. So did you say it, endearing? Yeah, no, yeah, that's it what you sure said is. Too. <laughs> uh, if I retire at 62, can I use my HSA to pay for insurance premiums on a policy that I purchased from healthcare.gov? Lots of, lots of uh, layers to that question. Yes, retiring at 62. That's not the answer, by the way. But <laughs> retiring at 62, you've got to figure out, well, what's my health insurance bridge? What's my bridge to get from my workplace retirement to Medicare age, which is 65? For many people, it's healthcare.gov. And back when the Affordable Care Act was passed, and whether you like it or not, whether you use it or not doesn't really matter, tax planning was permanently connected to your health insurance decision, And, and, and you were unable to break it. Therefore, Mike, I would strongly encourage, yes, we're going to answer your question here in just a second, but you've got to be doing proactive tax planning. You have to, you have to retiring early. Fantastic. Now your taxes and proactive tax planning is vitally important so that you don't pay more for that health insurance than you really should.
2: Yeah. know, if they, if they didn't set up the rule this way, then you could have a potential loophole where think about this, one of the benefits of the healthcare.gov plan, or we always used to call it Obamacare. Um, those types of plans, they carry with them certain tax credits for many people. Uh, If your income is low enough, essentially the government is going to subsidize for you the cost of carrying that insurance. And so if the government is essentially on your tax return giving you money to help pay those premiums, you can't also then pull the money out of an HSA to pay those premiums with after-tax dollars because you'd essentially be double-dipping. You'd be getting two tax uh, benefits on the same expense and the, the internal revenue code is set up to make sure that never happens for you.
0: So essentially you can, so the answer is no, you can't draw money out of your HSA to pay for your health insurance on healthcare.gov. I don't know if they'll change that rule in the future, but Josh laid out a pretty logical reason why they wouldn't. Um, and for the most part, you can't use your HSA to pay health insurance premiums except for Cobra and except for Medicare but not all parts of Medicare, Mm -hmm. but just your Medicare Part B, and I believe Part D, you can reimburse yourself from your HSA. You cannot pay your Medicare supplement plan from your HSA. Yeah, and being in a jargon-free
1: zone, Mike, you said I can use my HSA to pay for my COBRA premiums. That's if I leave work, but I stay on the works insurance, I can do that for, let's just say, uh, 18 18 months. months, and if i'm going to pay for that i can use my hsa for that i can also use my hsa to pay premiums for my health insurance while i'm receiving unemployment compensation
0: oh yeah that's right yep yeah, that's right
1: so
2: hey here's another thing to keep in mind if you're age 62 you still have 3 more years if you're on that uh, healthcare.gov plan you may be able to select for yourself an hsa eligible plan so here we are, we're, ask, we're answering the question, can you pull money out of the HSA to pay for this coverage? I, I want you thinking about putting more money into your HSA during those remaining three years, because the window's closing for you.
0: Oh man, so I was gonna give us some diversification here, but you, you baited <laughs> me right into that. Anthony's got a question here. Uh, can I put money in my HSA once I'm retired? And then a follow-up question, can I put money into my HSA from my 401k? So two questions there.
1: Well, so this is this is where we will sound like politicians because <laughs> the answer is yes. I'm going to take the first, the second one first. Can I can I move money from my 401k into my HSA? You can. You just have to pay taxes on it first. <laughs> I mean, so this is. I mean, what a weasel answer. So the truth is, if I've got think one pair of pants and a bunch of different pockets. So I've got money in this pocket and that pocket and the various other pockets. You can pull money out of your 401k if you're retired. Pull money out of your 401k. Likely you're going to have that in an IRA and there's many reasons for that, but you can pull money out of that. You're going to pay taxes on it and then put it in the HSA. But the 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 kind of the meat of the question is, can I fund my HSA when I'm retired? Yeah. And that is going to be um, based on a couple of different things. One is, what health insurance do you have? You mm-hmm. need
0: a HSA-eligible, tax-qualifying, high-deductible health plan. Mm-hmm. So that, that, is the, that is the eligibility. It's not the only, but that's the first. If you don't have right. an HSA-eligible, high-deductible health plan, right meow, then you can't fund that thing. Right, and don't, don't apply your
1: definition of high-deductible to this because you can't really get there from here it's just has this been deemed a high deductible health plan based on what the how the government says it now the other thing that you have to be careful about and we've had some folks get caught up in this is when i uh, sign up for medicare i am automatically enrolled six months previous
0: if you're in signing up after age 65 Yes. And so you've got to be aware. What you're pointing at here, Kevin, is, yes, you need that HSA-eligible, high-deductible health plan in order to contribute to an HSA. But then you can't have any other health insurance. Mm -hmm. And Medicare counts as any other health insurance. And also, if this wasn't clear, uh, Medicare is not an HSA-eligible, high-deductible health plan. (laughs) So essentially, you need a high-deductible health plan and no other health insurance, especially Medicare, since you're saying, hey, can I fund this thing in retirement? So most likely the answer is no, unless <laughs> unless you're retired, maybe before age 65, and you're on COBRA, which is still an HSA plan, or you're getting your health insurance through the exchange or healthcare.gov, and it's an HSA plan, and then you could. And I wanna go back to one other thing, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Moving money from your 401k to your HSA is not possible. Moving Not money, directly, moving money from an IRA into your HSA is possible once, once. in mm-hmm. your lifetime, and it counts as your contribution. Essentially, it doesn't give you an additional deduction, but you can't transfer money from your IRA into your HSA and then also contribute new money mm-hmm. into your HSA in that same year. Yeah, it, it's this is all um, very, very
1: tricky and and difficult to understand. I think the most difficult thing to understand, especially we had a great group of interns this summer at KFG. We had six interns and they're confused because all of these rules, it's based on voluntary compliance. So they listen to the radio show and they hear Mike say, well, you can't do this thing. And then they say, but wait a minute, this 67 year old person who's been on Medicare for two years, his wife went down because she's not yet 65, and she funded her HSA at uh, a, a credit union that formerly used to be known as a different credit union, <laughs> and and she funded hers and his. So she was eligible. He was not. Um, if the person taking the money doesn't understand the rules, but sure, you can you can put that money in. And again, it's all voluntary compliance. It's, it
0: just creates huge headaches. Yeah, and I would, at some point, there's going to be a paper chill that probably catches up, yeah. catches up oh, to you. same thing, I'm not working at all. I have no earned income. Can I put money in my Roth IRA? Sure. <laughs> Till you get caught. Till you right. get caught, right? Yeah. It's not actually allowed. So yeah. very, yeah, interesting, confusing rules. Of course, we're going to point to Your CFP is going to help you understand those rules, apply those rules, and really know and recommend what's best for you. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: I just can't even spell anonymous. You want to try it? No.
2: (laughs) A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S.
1: Josh, Hmm. have I told you lately I don't like you? (laughs)
2: I do have a bunch of words though that I can't get close enough for spell check to even yeah.
1: uh, you know help I know. me out. I <laughs> well like. I know I wasn't I wasn't even in the ballpark because I think well if you get in the ballpark they're gonna give it to you. Right. Nope. <laughs> nope. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities member FIDRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management LLC. Doing business has Corehorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.